so excited that we can see you this Sunday. Let's stand up on our feet. We're going to sing this out together. is risen. 
is our faith, the good news of grace. Oh, let the church say amen. Oh, let the church say amen. Amen, amen. starts to break declaring there is hope and there is freedom I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is life break stronghold shine through the shadows burn like a fire I just want to speak the name of Jesus I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is life. Break every stronghold. Shine through the shadows. Burn from the mountains Jesus in the streets Jesus in the darkness over every enemy Jesus for my family I speak the holy name Jesus Whoa. Shout Jesus from the mountains Jesus in the streets, Jesus in the 
cry now He is up to something He is up to something God is doing something Cry now He is healing someone He is saving someone God is doing something Cry now He is healing someone He is saving someone God is doing something Right now He is moving mountains Making a way for someone God is doing something Right now He is moving mountains Making a way for someone God is doing something Right now He is moving mountains Making a way for someone God is doing something Right now He is moving mountains Making a way for someone God is doing something All of my hope Is in the name The name of Jesus Breakthrough will come Come in the name The name of Jesus All of my hope Is in the name The name of Jesus Can we take a moment? Can we just rest in God's presence, remain in this atmosphere? God is doing something special right here in our community. God is moving right now here in this facility, there at home, wherever you might be. God is doing something. If you came into this building and you're in need of a touch of healing, would you just lay it down at the feet of Jesus today? If you're here in this building and there's a wall that's keeping you from entering into the presence of God, would you lay it down at his feet today? Would you listen for the still voice of our Heavenly Father that is trying to guide you, lead you, and take you to the place where he wants you to be? Accept the presence of God, embrace him, and let him guide you here today. Jesus, we welcome you in this place. Holy Spirit, would you stir our hearts? Would you allow us to hear what you need us to hear today, God? Would you encourage us to lead and function as you need us to lead and function here today, Lord? Would you do what only you can, God? Lord, you're in control. Would you just take hold of this moment? Would you take hold of this service? And would you take hold of the hearts of everyone that is listening here today, Jesus? Father, we love you so much. And we praise you, Jesus. We praise you. Here at Spirit Church, we believe in the power of unity. And we like to get our hearts and our minds focused on God by saying the Lord's Prayer together. So would you join with me in saying the Lord's Prayer this morning? Our Father who art in heaven, 
hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen, amen. If you believe that this morning, can we give God a shout of praise? There is going to be freedom that comes through the presence of God this morning. I truly believe it. He is up to something. Amen, amen. Well, hey. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us today. We're so excited to have you as a part of our family. Would you go ahead and turn to your neighbor, give him a fist bump, let him know if you're a little scared for college football starting up, because I know I am. I really need the Sooners to perform well, but you know, there's always that part of me that's terrified. So we're going to get started here in a moment. Good morning, Spirit Church. My name is Robin, and we're so glad that you've joined us today. Whether you're here in person or joining us online, we consider you part of our family, and we want to connect with you. If you're here in person, scan this QR code to fill out your Connect card or your guest card. If you're joining us online, you could go to spirit.church connect or spirit.church guest. This is a great way for you to stay connected and for us to serve your family better. If you're new to Spirit Church, welcome. Jason and I would love to meet you in the Welcome Center following this worship experience. We just want to meet your family, give you a gift, and say thanks for being our guest today. Also, if you're a guest, please don't feel any pressure to give. Let this service be our gift to you. But if you're here and you want to give, here's three ways that you can. You can use a giving envelope and drop it in either kiosk in the commons area. You can give online on our website at spirit.church give. Or you can use our church center app. Spirit Church, thank you for always being so generous. Now I have a couple of announcements for you. Our next growth track class is next Sunday, September 3rd at 11 a.m. If you are interested in becoming a member, learning more about what we believe, or serving on a spirit team, this class is for you. You can sign up to attend on our website at spirit.church slash sign up. And lastly, our family fall bash is coming up and we need your help to make it happen. We are looking for some of our church family who are willing to volunteer their time and their vehicles for the trunk or treat that evening. If you're interested, you can contact Pastor Sherry at sherry at spiritchurch.com. Spirit Church, you're the best, and thanks for listening. Now let's get out our message notes as Pastor Jason wraps up our series on worship. We're so glad you're here. Raise your hand if you're thankful for air conditioning. Come on, come on. But it's finally changing. Maybe, maybe, 
maybe. Please, Travis Meyer, help us out. Hey, uh, before I get into the message today, I would like to invite the Schultz family to please come down front. Jared and Kayla and Hannah and Shiloh and Ellie and Hezzy. These are our missionaries to Mozambique, Africa, and they are leaving tomorrow to go back to Africa, and it's really bittersweet because we love them so dearly. Someone told me this morning, I've known Jared since he was this tall, which is like a year and a half ago, or? Oh, sorry, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't help it, I couldn't help it, I couldn't help it. <laughs> sorry, it's because I love you so much. This family is so special to our church and especially to Robin and I, and they're just a dear part of our family, but they have answered the call of God to go. And so when you give in monthly missions giving, it's families like this that you're supporting and that you're sending to the field. And we believe that God's doing a great work in and through them. And so I want to invite our deacons and their uh, spouses, any staff and spouses that are here, prayer team members, would you come down front with us and uh, let's gather around this family. I know some of you are prepared with anointing oil. We want to anoint them with oil and pray over them. And we know that the blessing of God is going to go with them and he's going to use them to do a great work in Mozambique, Africa. Would you be so kind as to stretch your hands this direction this morning? Would you lift up the Schultz family? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this amazing family that you have called to Mozambique, Africa. What a blessing they are to this church. But more importantly, they're a blessing to the kingdom. And we pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done. We thank you for using them in a powerful way, for calling them and for anointing them. Not only would you make their travel smooth, would you protect their health? And would you give them favor and anointing and blessing? Direct their words. Holy Spirit, guide their steps to everywhere they're supposed to go. And we pray that the kingdom of God would advance as a result of this ministry. We pray that churches would be planted, that pastors would be trained up, that believers would be discipled, that the kingdom of God would grow. And so we're so thankful, Lord, to, to send forth, to, to anoint and to launch forth this part of our body into the harvest field. You said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, and we're to pray for workers to go into the harvest field. And we thank you for these amazing workers that you are sending forth. Do a great work in and through them, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Would you just show your appreciation, your love to the Schultz? Somebody take that mic away. Well, um, Pastor Robin, would you join? You're going to have to come down here. I already look bad enough the way it is. And you drew it to everybody's attention. Kayla and I have something for the two of you to Thank you. show our gratitude because you guys have this is home for us. It always has been. And you don't realize that it could become even more home until you come back from the mission field. And, uh, you know, you recover from a lot on the mission field. You face a lot of things. Um, but we had a safe place to land and to be loved, and it started right here with the two of you. And we are so grateful for you and everything, the kindness that you've shown us. The two of you have just opened your arms to us and uh, we appreciate you. Secondly, um, your commission to win one more, right? We're your extension. That's all we're doing is we're winning one more. You keep doing it in your community and pray for us as we do it there. But we're all spirit church.
thank you. We all need friends like the Schultz family, just amazing people. I leaned down, I told Hannah, I love you, and she said, I'm six. <laughs> so, now her birthday was last week or two weeks ago? Last week, yeah, but she is, she is six now. Such a special family. Again, thank you for being a church that loves missions and that loves people and that gives and that launches and sends people like the Schultz family. You can see you're planting seed in good soil and the work is being done all around the world. Really quickly before I get to the message, let me just remind you there's a men's breakfast coming up uh, on September the 9th. Brian McDaniel's sitting right here with the awesome looking beard, and so we want you to be a part of that. And then we have a, an event that we've been doing a lot, but we've given it a new name. We used to call it Worship Wednesday. We called it Refresh. We have transitioned to a new name. It's called First Wednesday. Guess when it happens. <laughs> the first Wednesday of every month. We are going to come together as a church family. We don't get the opportunity to do a lot on midweek services, and that's mainly because our next generation, our students are meeting together, and they're growing and they're thriving, and so we're going to dedicate the first Wednesday of every month at 7 p.m. for a time of our whole church family can come together. This upcoming one, which I believe is the 6th of September, uh, we're going to have an extended time of worship. We're going to be praying over and commissioning our missions team that will leave the very next day go to, to go to Ecuador to serve down there. We'll receive communion together. We just believe God, his hands are all upon it. So extended times of prayer. Pastor Daniel's going to speak that night, an amazing preacher, a gift to this church. And so we really want to make you feel welcome that night, first Wednesday coming up. Well, as you can see, we're in this series called Worship More Than a Song. Today is our last day in this message series. And some of the thoughts or the concepts that have come out in this message, uh, we maybe haven't talked about as in-depth as we would have liked because we've limited ourselves to four weeks. How many know we could preach on this topic for months and months on end? And, and when you're surrounded by a great worship team like this, it's very easy to worship. But can I say very humbly and very directly that worship is more than the 17 to 25 minute element of the service that we sometimes make it out to be. Worship does not just occur when we come in here and someone plays the piano and the lights are on and the words are on the screen. Worship is happening all the time, every day. We're worshiping the Lord in our homes and in our cars. We're worshiping the Lord in the way that we work. And you know what I found is that the more we invest in our personal, private worship times, the more rich this experience is when we come together and worship the Lord corporately. And, and in some regards, those of you who are single have an advantage on the rest of us because when you worship the Lord in your home or your car, you have total control over how loud or how soft the volume is, over whether you're singing new choruses or old hymns. You don't have to, you don't have to sort that out with anybody. You can do whatever you want in worship. But I just want to challenge all of us as a church family, let's not just worship when we come together at 8 a.m. or 9.30 a.m. or 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Let's worship all throughout the week so that when we come here together, we have these rich and powerful and deep and meaningful worship experiences where the presence of the Holy Spirit enters this place, where God is given access to our hearts and our lives, and He touches us in meaningful, powerful ways, not just so that we can say, we've been touched, but so that we can leave from this place. Remember, this is a launch pad. We leave from this place and we go out where God has sent us. Maybe it's not Mozambique. Maybe it's just somewhere around the corner, but we go to where God has commissioned us and sent us and we share his love, his joy, and his peace with the least, the last, and the lost. So I want to invite you to stand. 
We're going to get to the In the Vault text in a second, but as we stand, the first thing that we're going to do, there's no music, there's not even lyrics on the screen, we're just going to take a second and worship the Lord. I want you just to worship Him in whatever way feels best to you. Uh, I'm going to lift my hands because that's just who I am and what I do. You might just want to close your eyes in His presence, you might just want to focus your attention on Him, you might want to speak forth with your mouth praise to Him, but would you join me maybe just for a few minutes of worship? Father, we love you. And we thank you for your goodness. You are worthy of all of our praise. And we can worship you in so many ways. We can worship you in the way we live our lives and how we serve and how we give. But we can also worship you with clapping our hands and lifting our hands and playing music and kneeling in your presence. Lord, the expression is from our hearts and it's because you've been so good to us. You've been so faithful to us. That song that we sang, what a father, what a savior he is. Thank you, Lord, that we are not alone, that you really love us, God. And so we give you all the glory and all the praise today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's reflective of David's words, our in the vault text. Would you say it with me on three? One, two, three. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things and my youth is renewed like the eagles. We put such a priority on the word of God at Spirit Church and we memorize, we try to memorize these verses because we believe that the word of God is life-giving and the more we interact with scripture, the more we become like Jesus. On the last Sunday of each month, we have our quotation stations where you can recite the verse and be uh, incentivized, not bribed. You can be encouraged in your good behavior. And after the 8 a.m. service, I had an eight-year-old boy come up to me with his prize because he had memorized the verse. Now, yeah, it's really cool, isn't it? Now, I also had a parent tell me one time, my daughter on quotation station day does not pay attention to your message. She just memorizes the verse while you preach, and then she runs out there and says it as fast as she can so that she gets the prize. I choose to believe that you have been working on this all month long. I choose to believe that, that every single day you've been practicing and preparing. So today's giveaway is free HTO. They've given us coupons, any size tea that you want. If you get the verse today, you're going to get that HTO. The good news is we're going to be going over this quite a bit in this message this morning. Let's pray as we start. Father, your word is so powerful. It's life-giving. It changes us. It challenges us. It makes us more like you. And when we study your word, when we invest in your word, truly your word's investing in us. And so today, as your word goes forth, would it be your voice that fills this room and not mine? Would people hear from your Holy Spirit? Would you speak to us, challenge us, change us, make us to be the people you've called us to be in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. You know, we're looking at this passage from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, and we know from studying that this was a psalm of David. Sometimes when you look in your Bible and you're reading through the Psalms, it'll tell you a psalm of David, and it'll say, from the time when, and then you can connect the psalm or the song that he wrote to a specific situation in his life. Maybe he had been chased down by Saul. Maybe he had just fought a battle. Something had happened. 
This psalm doesn't really give us that context. However, the scholars tell us that it was probably written later in David's life, maybe a moment of reflection. David was thinking back about his life and about how God had been faithful to him throughout his life. And so as we've been teaching about worship, we've been learning that worship begins in the heart, that worship is how we live our lives each day, that we can worship God in our good times, in our bad times, in our successes, in our failures. We can always worship the Lord. And today, we're going to look at David's life in context and see what worship does. As we worship the Lord, what happens, and we're going to base it, as we always do, on Scripture and from the life of David. So if you have that Church Center app, and we replace the Spirit Church app with that, the notes are there for you. Obviously, you can follow along on the screens. But the first thing that worship does is it welcomes. Worship welcomes the presence of God into our hearts, into our lives, into our circumstances, and into our situations. Worship welcomes. And that in the vault text that we're studying, Psalm 103, verse number 1, David says, Let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart I will praise his holy name would you do me a favor and say the words whole heart whole heart he wants to worship the Lord with his whole heart what David is saying and writing there is that God isn't invited to some parts of my life and excluded from other parts of my life he's welcomed with my whole heart and he's given access to all of me how many of you have ever invited someone over rude y'all are rude man nobody's invited anybody over well what do we mean when we invite somebody over what we mean is you can come to my kitchen my living room and the one bathroom i've cleaned right that's the best amen i've got all day that's what we mean and we mean stay about 45 minutes or so and then get out we don't when we invite somebody to our home we don't mean hey Come try out my bed and lay down in it. Hey, go to the mudroom and dig through my drawers. You want to see my closet where I put everything right before you got here? Come on, you're welcome. No, in Spanish we say, mi casa es su casa, my house is your house, but we don't mean that. We mean you can have access to part of my house. But David says, I want God to have access to all of me. With my whole heart, I praise his holy name. I invite his presence, not just to the rooms that I deem appropriate, but to every room, every part, every aspect, every facet of my life, God is welcome. Now, King James friends are going to love this because Psalm 22, verse 3, he writes this way. David says, but thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. How many just went back 35, 40 years as I was reading that verse right there from KJV? I love it in that translation because the Bible tells us that God inhabits the praises of his people. And what that means is that God literally moves in as we worship. As we begin to worship him, he makes his home with us. And that's why we begin all of our services with worship. It invites the presence of God into the room. David also wrote in Psalm 100, verse number 4, a verse you may have heard before, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and go into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? Because we're welcoming, we're inviting his presence with us. If we came together and God's presence wasn't here, there better be some really good donuts out there. Because otherwise, there's not a reason to come together. But when we come together and his presence is here, transformative things happen. He changes everything. And as you study the life of David, you see that David was a man who loved the presence of God. 
He loved to worship. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But in the middle of David's life, he tripped up. He committed adultery with a woman who was not his wife. And to cover up the adultery, he had the woman's husband murdered on the front lines of battle. You can't cover one sin with another sin. The prophet Nathan comes up to rebuke David and talk to him about his sin. And David handled it like a godly person should. He was repentant. His heart was poured wide open. And he wanted to be not just sorry for being caught, but he wanted to be forgiven for what he had done. In fact, he writes about it in Psalm 51, uh, verses 9 through 11. He says to the Lord, don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. But then look at what he says. Don't banish me from your presence. David loved to be in the presence of the Lord. And as he worshiped God, he welcomed the presence of the Lord into his life. Don't banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me. See, he wasn't just upset that he got caught. He didn't want to miss out on the presence of being or being in the presence of the Lord. So he came to God in submission. He came to God in worship, and he sought forgiveness, asking that God's presence would once again be real in his life. And as we worship the Lord, that's what happens. We welcome his presence. The second thing that worship does is worship elevates. You might think of the word elevator. To, to elevate something is to lift it up. And when something is lifted up or elevated, it draws our focus. It catches our eyes and our attention. And that's what worship does. It elevates God. It gives him the proper place in our lives. And you've probably heard me with one of my favorite quotes before. It's from A.W. Tozer. Today will probably not be the last time that I share it with you, but he said these words, as God is exalted to the proper place in our lives, a thousand problems are solved all at once. So when we worship the Lord, we are exalting him to the proper place. We are elevating him above our circumstances and situations. We're even elevating him above our successes. We're saying, God, you're more important, you're bigger, you're more worthy of praise than even my wins. And God, you're bigger than the, the giants and the obstacles that I face in my life. When I elevate him in worship, I'm affirming that he's God and that I'm not. John said, he must increase and I must decrease. And part of that elevating as I worship God, we oftentimes use this word. It's kind of churchy, but it's actually quite simple. Magnify. You ever heard us say that word, Lord, I magnify you as we praise him. Magnify just means to make something bigger. And so as we worship Jesus, we make him bigger in our lives. We make him bigger than our success or bigger than our problems. We make him bigger than our wins or bigger than our fears. Worship makes Jesus bigger, bigger than my personality or my pride, bigger than any earthly entity or structure or kingdom or rule. And that's why David said, back to the end of the vault text, Psalm 103, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. I will elevate him. I will magnify him. I will make him big in my life. In fact, in Psalm 119, verse number 164, he talked about how he always wanted to be a man of worship. He says, I will praise you seven times a day. And, and I don't think he had a little checklist that he went through. Was this number five or number six? Was it four or three? I can't remember. I think he's just saying his praise will continually be on my lips. I will constantly be worshiping the Lord, elevating him in my life and magnifying him. When you think about his life, probably the most famous moment for David was the battle against Goliath. 
we grew up in Sunday school hearing about this, but the story says that his countrymen were there and they were positioned across the valley from where the Philistines were and their champion was Goliath and he would come out every day and taunt the people of Israel and he was big, he was strong, he was intimidating and he said, I'm the best of the Philistines, you send me your best warrior and we'll see who wins and whoever wins, their God must be the real God. David's brothers were some of the ones that were fighting there and all the men were terrified. What they had done was they'd magnified Goliath. They'd elevated him. Sure, he was a, a big man, but he was just a man who had been created in the image of God. And they were making him so big and, and, and so intimidating that everyone was afraid to fight him. David arrives to the battle lines and he goes to Saul the king and says, I'll take this dude out, and, and we don't know exactly how old he was, but a young man, perhaps even a teenager. And in Samuel, 1 Samuel 17, Saul says to him, don't be ridiculous. There's no way that you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. In other words, I need to elevate Goliath. I want to magnify Goliath in front of David and show him how strong and mighty Goliath is. But David persisted. No, I've been, I've been taking care of my father's sheep and goats. If a lion or bear comes to steal a lamb for the flock, I go after it with a club and I rescue the lamb from its mouth. And if the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. He says, I'm not going to elevate the giant. I'm not going to magnify him in my life. In fact, the very next verse, verse 36, he says, I've done this to lions and bears, and I'll do it again to this pagan Philistine too. And when we read this, it almost the tendency to think, this kid's cocky. This dude's arrogant. But look at where his strength comes from. He has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord, all of a sudden the conversation shifts from lions and bears and giants and Goliath to the Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear. He will rescue me from this Philistine. He made God bigger than his problem. He elevated God to a higher position than the giant. And we know then that he slung the stone and the giant tumbled in the presence of the Lord because he elevated and magnified his God. And that's what happens when we elevate God's name and his person. And really what David was doing in that moment kind of ties into the third thing that worship does for us, Worship refocuses. You see, in the situation with Goliath, all the focus, all the attention was how big Goliath was, how impressive his armor was, how wide his spear was, how big his shield was, how intimidating he appeared across the valley. But as David worshiped the Lord, his attention was redirected and refocused, and that's what happens. I bet if we were being honest and raising our hands today, We've all had those times, those tendencies, those moments where our focus got off of the Savior. Sometimes we just do it unassumingly or unintentionally, but we get worried or anxious or confused, and it causes us to lose sight of Jesus. Sometimes we should be looking at Jesus, but the cares of the world take our attention away. Again, David's life was, was much like a roller coaster. He had a lot of ups and downs and, and highs and lows. One time in his life, King Saul, who was the current king, was chasing after him because David had been anointed as the next king. And Saul was very much threatened 
by David. And so as he was chasing him, David was running for his life and he comes to a priest. His name is Ahimelech. And while he's there with the priest, the priest offers him bread to sustain him and says, oh, I also have Goliath's spear, the the giant that you killed. I have it here. Use the spear to protect yourself from those who are pursuing after you. While all this was taking place, there was one man named Doeg, D-O-E-G, and he happened to observe that David was there with Ahimelech, and he raced back and reported to Saul, I know where your enemy is. I know where David is. Saul's infuriated. He begins to chase after David. He gets to where Ahimelech is. He says, where's David? Bring him out to me. I want him. He said, he's not here. He's not here. He's left. In fact, what we find out is David heard that Saul was coming, and so he escaped and went to a cave and was hiding in a cave. And Saul, in his anger and in his rage and in his sin, killed not only Ahimelech, but he killed 85 priests who were serving with him in that moment. That news gets to David in the cave, and he's bitter, and he's angry, and he's frustrated, and it doesn't make sense. And in Psalm 51, or excuse me, in Psalm 52, he begins to write about what's taking place. He says, why do you boast about your crimes, great warrior? Don't you realize that God's justice continues forever? All day long you plot destruction. Your tongue cuts like a sharp razor. You're an expert at telling lies. You love evil more than good and lies more than truth. Now, I don't know about you, but when you get up in the morning and you do your Bible reading, you read a psalm and a proverb, that just blesses your socks off, doesn't it? Like, I'm ready to take on the day. And we we see David writing very vulnerably, very frustrated, not understanding. But if you were to read this entire passage from Psalm 52, you'll notice that there's a shift where David stops writing about Saul, and he stops writing about Doeg, and all of a sudden he starts writing about Jehovah, his God. And by the time you get to verse 8 and 9 at the end of this passage, David starts writing these words, But I will always trust in God's unfailing love. I will praise you forever, O God, for what you have done. I will trust in your good name in the presence of your faithful people. Why? Because worship refocuses my attention. Instead of starting off by writing about his adversaries who wanted to kill him, he ends by writing about his God who ultimately is able to save him. I talked about it last week, but it just bears repeating. When I worship through my successes, it changes me. And when I worship through victory, it changes me. When I worship through confusion, it changes me. When I worship through pain, it changes me. When I worship through heartbreak, it changes me. Because worship refocuses my attention on God's character and on God's goodness. And it causes me to trust him no matter what. Because it reminds me of who he is. That's why in our In the Vault text this morning, in the second verse, Psalm 103, verse 2, he says, Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things that he does for me. Here's the way Satan operates. He wants you to think about and dwell upon the one bad thing that's happened while God has done so many good things for us. We used to sing a song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Do you know how long that would take? I mean, great song, right? Catchy tune. We like singing it. But if we actually did that, we would be here forever trying to count one by one all the blessings. Maybe they should have said, count your blessings, name them two by two. 
or five by five, because then the process would have gone faster. But what worship does is it reminds me of the good things that God has done, his faithfulness, his love, and his goodness, and it refocuses my attention right where it belongs. It's on the one who can save me. So worship welcomes God's presence. It elevates God's name and God's person. It refocuses our attention on him. But here's the final thing that worship does this morning. It overcomes Worship overcomes my situations and my sins and my struggle. Worship is a weapon that God gives us to overcome the enemy. The book of Revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb, but also by the word of our testimony. Sometimes we don't realize that our testimony isn't just the things that we speak, it's also the things that we sing. What a father, what a savior he is. Hallelujah, we are not alone. God really loves us, and as we're singing these testimonies of God's goodness and God's faithfulness, worship is actually activating something inside of us that is allowing us to overcome the snares and the traps of the evil one. Psalm 103, back to the In the Vault text one more time. Verse 4, he forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death, and he crowns me with love and with tender mercy. How does worship allow me to overcome well it empowers me to operate in God's strength and in God's provision we see this in David's life but it's not a story that we talk about very often it's the end of first Samuel it's first Samuel chapter 30 David and his men are out in battle and the Amalekites come to the town of Ziklag where they had been living now while David and his men were at battle the women the children the flocks the herds everything was left behind in Ziklag and so David and his men go to battle, but when they come back, they find out that the Amalekites have taken hostage all of their families. They've taken all of their livestock, all their possessions, everything that they had, and they have destroyed, ransacked the town in which they were living. David's men saw the ruins. They realized what had happened to their families. They wept until they could weep no more. I don't know if you've ever been there, but that's a tough place. Sometimes in life, we face those moments where we're just out of tears we can't cry it can't possibly get any worse than this but then the bible tells us that david had two wives which by the way unless you're david don't try that and i don't mean unless your name is david i mean like that david and even he had a lot of issues with that so okay his two wives had been among those captured and so where's david going to turn in this moment of course his men, his men who had been with him in battle, his men who had fought for him, these mighty men who were always there with him. But then the very next verse says that even his men were frustrated with him. Even his men thought about stoning him. He was in great danger because they were bitter and they talked about stoning him. But then there's that nugget of truth. This is why we have to read the Bible in context. This is why we have to study all of God's word. But David found strength in the Lord his God. When everything had been taken, when it seemed like there was no hope, when everyone had abandoned him and turned their back on him, David found strength in the Lord his God. Some translations say it this way, David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. The Bible doesn't specifically state or tell us exactly what David did to strengthen himself. But we're fairly confident there wasn't Mountain Dew or Monster Energy or Red Bull in those days so his strength wouldn't have come from a supplement or a source what we do know is that David was a man who loved to worship the Lord 
whether it was a good situation or a bad situation, whether he was in danger or he was the king and prospering, he was a man who loved God's presence and knew how to worship. In fact, when you look at Psalm chapter 34 and verses number one through three, David writes this, I will praise the Lord some of the time. When my bank account is full and my doctor's report is healthy and my coworkers get along and my kids love me, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord when the sun is shining and the temperature is about 70 degrees. I will praise the Lord when my vehicles are paid for and my house is paid off. I will praise the Lord on all those days. No, he says, I'll praise him at all times. When my men want to stone me, when my wives have been taken captive, when all of my possessions are gone, I will constantly speak of his praises when I don't know how we're gonna fight this enemy, when I don't know what step to take next, I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt the Lord together. And David found strength in the Lord his God. And we, we see that one of the ways he would have found strength is by turning to worship. He really had no other option in that moment. When we get to the end of 1 Samuel chapter 30, we see how God turned it around. We see how the story ended. David got back most of what the Amalekites had taken. Part of it, a fourth, a fraction. No, he got everything back and his two wives. Nothing was missing, small or great, son or daughter, nor anything else that had been taken. David brought everything back. Isn't that just like God? Isn't that what God does, that when we worship him, he enables us to overcome, and what the enemy tries to steal, he makes sure that we get it back. He brought the flocks and the herds, and his men drove them, and they said, this plunder belongs to David. And what they meant in that moment, it probably didn't come out right, but what they meant was the God of David, who worked in him and through him, who rescued us again, it all belongs to to him. You see, that's what worship does. It welcomes the presence of God. It elevates God's name in person. It refocuses our attention, but it causes us to overcome. This morning, in just a few moments, we're going to take a little bit more time and we're going to worship the Lord. But first, I want to ask you a question about the condition of, of your heart. Are you fully worshiping God? One of the best ways that we can worship God is by giving him complete access to our lives. That's why David said, with my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. We talk about this and we say that it's saying yes to Jesus. It's making him Lord and Savior of our lives and saying, I'm going to follow you when it makes sense and when it doesn't, when it's good and when it's bad. I'm going to follow you with my whole life. If you've never had an opportunity to do that, this morning is your opportunity to do that. You say, well, I, I, I did that, but then I feel like David and everything's gone wrong and, and, and I don't know what to do anymore. God hasn't changed. He hasn't left you. He's still the same. You just have to worship your way through your circumstance. Sometimes we've got to learn what it means to worship our way through difficulty, not just when it's sunny outside, but when it's stormy and dangerous and dark and gloomy. We worship our way through our struggle. It begins by giving him total access and complete control to our life. If you never said yes to Jesus, this morning is the perfect opportunity. If you said yes to Jesus, but like I was talking about, things have changed. It's not God, it's, it's us. We change. But he's still the same. His faithfulness, his love endures forever, and he welcomes you back in. 
I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. You're not gonna have to come down to the front or stand up and tell your name. We simply wanna pray with you and for you. And you say, but everybody's eyes are open. It's okay. What if I raise my hand? They're gonna celebrate with you. Because we're a family. If you'd like to say yes to Jesus today, whether it's the first time or you just wanna recommit yourself and say, Lord, I'm giving you my whole heart. Would you just slip up your hand and say, that's me, that's me, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for those of you that are raising hands all across this room. Maybe you're online this morning. Would you put the word yes in your chat box? Would you say yes? I'm saying yes to Jesus. Maybe you're listening to us on the radio. Say yes to Jesus today. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And did you see the hands that went up this morning? Those are people who say, I believe, I believe. But now there's that moment of confession where we verbalize our belief and confession of who Jesus is. You're gonna pray a lot of prayers as a believer, but this is a good starting point. Now this one, I'm actually gonna ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And would you say these words with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. I'm sorry that I have sinned and lived a life that was not pleasing to you. Today, I receive you as my Savior and Lord. I ask you to forgive me of my sins and make me more like you. And I will do my best to live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you keep your head bowed for just a second? We want to take a second just to reflect on this. And all I'm going to ask is, would you just pray a simple prayer right now to the Lord in whatever way is most comfortable for you, but just ask this question, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? I'm going to stop talking for just a moment, and I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just pray that prayer, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? thank you, Lord, because we believe that you're always speaking to us. And as we worship you, we welcome your presence. We elevate your name and your person, your life, your glory. Refocus our attention. You help us to overcome. Maybe you're speaking to us about these things today. We honor you and praise you and glorify you. Now, church, could we stand and could we respond with worship to the Lord? Maybe you want to lift your hands. Maybe you want to lift your voice. Maybe you want to just close your eyes and focus on him some more. But, Lord, we give you honor and praise and worship. Worship is truly more than a song, and we're not singing in this moment. We're just lifting our voices and our hearts towards heaven, and we're acknowledging that you're our source, that you're our strength, that you're more than enough to meet our every need. And we thank you and praise you for the work that you are doing in us and through us. Come on, let's praise him for about 30 seconds more. Tell him how faithful, how good he is. You're so awesome, Lord. You're so worthy of praise. You're so mighty. We bless you. Man, what a challenge that we received here today, am I right? How many of you guys are willing to try to live more like David and worship God in the good and the bad, amen? 
It's hard, but I'm ready. I'm ready to see what God can do in and through that heart of honor. But hey, guys, as you leave today, I just want to pray a prayer of blessing over us all. So if you'll raise your hands towards heaven. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Go with God today.